As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The Team Never Quit podcast is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union. Navy Federal Credit Union serves all branches of the armed forces, including families of service members. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. You know, Marcus, I, um, so I have, I, I bought a copy of your book a long time ago and read it. And, um, and I had your book when I was living in Singapore, I had your book in Singapore with me and it's in transit in sea transit on the way back because I relocated back to the U S Yeah. so I had to rebuy your, like, I wanted to reread your book. And, uh, and so I rebought another copy of the book and it's actually, um, it was pretty interesting rereading your book the second time because there was a, like a lot of details that I thought I remembered a certain way. And then when I reread it, I was like, Oh, this isn't exactly how I, how I remembered it being when I read it the first time. Cause it'd been several years ago. You actually, um, my trainer, my, my, um, conditioning coach, strength and conditioning coach met you in the palms in Las Vegas. Probably I'm going to guess somewhere around 2002. 10 that's right -ish. yep absolutely 10 or 11 and uh yeah it was about that time 10 or 11 and uh he had a copy of your book and you signed a copy you signed a copy of the book for him right on yeah uh he was a uh he's a a marine that served uh mikey right um what mike, yeah, on mike. How... holy crap yeah exactly that's him right yep, yep. yeah 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 how's, how's he doing he actually, he actually fell a few years back. Um, they don't, they don't know why what happened to him, but he, he, he was in the gym and it was like his, uh, like his nervous system just shut down. Like he didn't faint or anything, but just passed out. And like, like a tree, like a timber tree hit the floor. His head smacked the floor uh -huh. and, um, and he's kind of had this onset of dementia. And it's, it's really weird because this is a guy who like, I have a picture of us 
together working out where he, he lost a bet to me and he's like one of these guys that you'd never see him with his shirt off except for he used to bodybuild so he'd step on stage but aside from that he always has these like sweatshirts that are cut three-quarter length on his yeah he's arm. a marine right exactly so two tools <laughs> in vietnam yeah like you meet this guy you don't forget him he's very intense sure but um but he lost a bet to me one time at the gym so the the, the bet was that he had to train me with a shirt off which was like a, a really big deal to him <laughs> and um and so I took this picture and like, this is a guy that I like, that I really looked up to just his lifestyle, his dedication to fitness. He literally lived in the gym. Yeah. And then after he fell, it's almost like he forgot who he was. And now he'll, he'll eat like Wendy's cheeseburgers for lunch. And I'm scratching my head. Like, who, who are you? And, uh, yeah. So like since he fell and the doctors think that, um, you know, his, because he suffers from a uh, PTSD from the war. Yeah. One of those guys that wakes up in the middle of the jungle half the time. And, right. um, and, uh, so he, he never rests properly. So his brain just over the years and they think like the trauma to his brain really kind of messed things up. And since he doesn't have this ability to actually give his brain the recovery it needs on a daily basis, that that's kind of what's, um, you know, taking him down that path. Huh? Well, we know a lot of people in the neuro world. My brother's in there, and and there's a lot of new stuff that's happening with the the veterans. So if I'm, if he doesn't if he doesn't have anybody to reach out to, man, we can hook hook y'all up with that. Dude, that's awesome. I will. Uh, I I may actually take that you guy, up. man. I, he, he he's one of the dudes make you work because the guy who trained me did the same thing back in the day right before I came in the SEAL teams. Man, it was like a nonstop thing. They're always Billy. in your ass, dude. Just kind of like loved being. Yeah. The, it's what you think a military guy would would look like. Especially with Mikey, man, he was a Marine. Yeah, you know, I, I tell you, I, I listened to um, I listened to one of your interviews when you were talking about Billy Shelton and about how he like like he would just grind you and grind you and grind right. you to the ground. You know, the funny thing about Mike is that Mike he's very intense and he'll yell when you're not working out and like he commands respect. But like we, he and I would train together and he never yelled at me when I was training. Like that wasn't his style. Like and he, I think he knew he didn't need to. There was, this there was this time where he and I were training together and we were outside doing this circuit, you know, pushing sleds and, you know, wheel ferrules and doing all these jump ups on, on these plyo boxes. And I just remember being midway through this workout and like jumping up and down on this plyo box. And I stopped for a second and had to take like a breath. Like, and Mike, Mike looked at me and he, and he just looked at me and goes, you okay? And I, like immediately I was so irritated. I was like, like I just showed this sign of weakness and it was almost like he knew exactly how to motivate me. Just this soft words, like you okay, like something wrong with you as if I'm not doing things at this optimal level that I am capable and which me, you know, and it's just like, you know, you're in the middle of that workout and you take that breath and man, I was like immediately fired up. Like it didn't take this, like get your ass moving kind of yelling. And he just, he had this very unique way of training me that just had me just give him everything i had every time we were in that gym those guys they're the worst ones to train with because you, you don't know what that is I, it's, it's just like hey man are you motivating me or are you like picking on me because it's kind of yeah. doing mo both to me right now and i don't know how to take it <laughs> it's psychological you know I mean? warfare it's, it's, man. yeah it is and that's that's where those vietnam guys they they do it brilliantly they got some kind of crazy mind control they brought back i know what that is or i don't i have no idea really but i yeah. i remember that happening Subo would do that too, man. I'm like, dude, I, I got your, I'm terrified, but I'm not, you know, it's kind of like, I, especially if they're in there with you grinding, that, that yeah. changes everything. And, and, and them guys, it, I, they can do that stuff. So man, I'll pray for him then. 
appreciate it, man. Yep. Uh, all right. Let, let's, I'm sorry, man. Let's, let's kick this thing off <laughs> officially. You guys are joining <laughs> right. us mid mid conversation because some conversations are just too dang good to uh, start with an intro. So that's where we're at. Rich Franklin is a podcast host, actor, UFC Hall of Famer, and away from the confines of the cage, Franklin believes in living a life of purpose and is constantly sourcing for new avenues of personal growth. Rich, welcome to the show, man. Good to be here. Thank you guys for having me on, man. I've, I've really been looking forward to this. I've never personally met Marcus. If I, I don't know if the listeners have been listening to the conversation up to this point, but uh, my strength conditioning coach actually met him out in Vegas when we were out there one time. I wasn't competing at the time. We were at the Palms. I had a friend of mine that was competing at the Palms, and uh, he bumped into Marcus, was very excited about it, actually had a copy of your book. You saw, Marcus signed it, and, uh, and, I didn't, and I didn't get to meet you at the time. And uh, so anyway – Life comes full circle, and here we are. So thanks for having me on. You bet. I, I've, I've been looking forward to this. I've followed your career, uh, not, not just in, in the cage, but outside of it, too. I, I've been fascinated. Uh, so it's thank you again for doing this, man. It's going to be fun. So let's kick this thing off with an icebreaker. Since you're such a badass, Rich, I'm going to kick it off with a, a humbling question. What is one thing that you're most terrible at? Oh, um, I mean, uh, baking. Uh. Um uh, I'll tell you what, uh, just since I'm an athlete, well, I'll go, I'll go sports side on this. <clears throat> Any sport, like a sport that requires me to hold something like a baseball bat or a golf club. Terrible. Is that true? Like, that's absolutely true. I'm, I, I'm terrible. I, I showed up to uh, a church picnic one time and, uh, by the time I got there, the softball game had already started. The teams were split. And so they went ahead and put me on one of the teams and uh, the, t- the team I was on was at bat. So then when it came my time to bat, everybody on the field, I don't know, they took like, uh, you know, 10, 20 yard steps back, like, because they're like, oh, man, he's going to crank this one. And I was, I was like, <laughs> guys, no, you can go ahead and come on back in. Like, trust me, this is this is not going to be pretty. And they're like, yeah, 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 whatever. And they threw that first softball pitch. And this is softball. It's not even baseball. And uh, and man, I took a swing at that ball and missed, and and everybody was like, "Oh, he wasn't kidding." And then the, the entire outfield just moves in like 10, 20 yards, as suggested. So I'm terrible at, at sports where I have to hold things. Dang. Marcus, what about you, man? All right, so I don't. I, I was born without depth perception. My because my eyes were messed up at, at, at birth because I'm a twin. We, we, it's a whole other story altogether. <laughs> it's like any sport requires where you have to have that. Like, I don't think you'd want me parking the shuttle in space where they had to reroute it. Oh my God, you don't want me doing that. <laughs> Marcus, you're a sniper. I am. And let me tell How you something. Getting, okay. Well, I had a great te- question. Very great question. That's a great question. And I, will, <laughs> I will give you the answer. People ask me that all the time. And that's where I had to learn how to do this. So I had to measure distance with, with known objects. Like 100 yards is a football field. I can relative, oh, relativity. I had to theorize in relativity everything down to logic. I know that at 200 yards, a truck window, my thumbnail can fit into that. And like at the minimum distance, a sniper will come in usually because under 200 yards, you go from the rifle, you get personal. It gets quiet, right? Um, so I had to, to, to do – dude, sniper school kicked my ass so bad. Thank God the instructors worked. We couldn't figure out what was wrong because my brother and I come to find out are mirror twins. So he's the left side, I'm the right. I'm, I'm right-eye dominant, he's left-eye dominant. He has to shoot left hand. They had to completely switch him back around and correct his, him. And then I came in afterwards. And, and during snaps and movers, like at, at 600, 700, 800 yards, man, I had no idea. <laughs> so I literally had to I, – I, it made me a good spotter. 
because I have to scan the area. I have to know what, how fast the wind's going and by what the vegetation's doing and why, how it pushes. When something walks up on us, I had to know why it looked a certain way at a certain distance. And, and it, it was a, de- a disability when I was going through, but it, it actually became a distinct ability. Like once you, t- that's the thing, man, is when, one of the weaknesses, if you take time to train it up, like God hooks you up with those on purpose. Yeah. And um, it, it, it was difficult. Yeah, when I I'll tell you the, my my the one experience I have with that I got I got poked in the eye in my Dan Henderson fight really bad. I like remember that. Me in the right yeah, eye. I remember. Yeah, it took a big chunk out of my eye. But for about the last minute and a half of that that match, like I was trying to clear my eye out, and you just can't. And so the best way I can describe it is like if you've ever been swimming with goggles before, and like one side like one goggle fills up with water and the other one doesn't that's what my vision was like and so when you're stripped of that depth perception and you're not like you can use that eventually it can become like an asset for the last minute and a half that match like i I didn't know if i was standing a foot in front of him or five feet in front of him i couldn't tell and i was like man i'm gonna i'm gonna getting knocked out in this this match like the last minute and a half and uh but yeah no it's that that really took really took me out of my game (laughs) that's when it really comes into play is when i get in a fight yeah Oh, I yeah. usually have to take a first hit. I'm like, oh, I got your distance now, homie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but man, you can't, you can't afford to take, You're just take that first hit. That's why I never started any fights. I'm like, man, yeah, I just, you know. <laughs> you be fighting like That's a T-Rex. Hilarious. And let me tell you something, bro. You actually nailed that right because when it came into, when it when my disability went away is when I went underwater. And I, I was a Navy SEAL, so it, uh, I don't know why I said it like that. I know you know that. But um, <laughs> I was at one of the teams I was at, they called us the regulators because we spend most of our time underwater. And I, I know what you're talking about. When you lose a mask, I'd lose a mask on a dive or something. I'd do a dive without it, man. And you're talking about six, eight hours underwater without a mask, salt water. You come up, you can't see nothing. It's all, doing that is, is, I would imagine, the equivalent of getting stabbed, in the, like punched in the eye. It, it saturates it so much that everything kind of does these warm, warm things. You don't, you don't even know what's happening. At six, I can't imagine. I'm, like, I'll do mask clears, like, because I'm scuba certified and I'll do a mask clear. And even that, like when the salt water gets in my eyes for just a few seconds, sometimes if I screw that up, I'm like, that's not fun. No, six, yeah. eight hours underwater and salt water is just. Bro, I came I mean, up looking like Garfield cool. or like I'd been in the ring. Like, you know, you step in, in the ring with every dude you ever fought. It, it was the, the only equivalent I could think of. There's an Andrew Dice Clay movie called The Skull Crusher or something like that. Anyways, there's just this. I don't know how that popped into my head for like that. But anyway, it swells up so bad. It's hilarious. But it doesn't take long. Once you, after you kind of get in there and you know that sting happens, it's, it's almost it's saline solution. So you you're eventually that's what you'll equalize and it'll you'll straighten out and be good. Yeah, I did, I didn't even know it was possible to be underwater in salt water that long with with no mask. You you can't believe what they'll do to us underwater, bro. <laughs> I mean, I've are read, you, I've read you, enough. If you're a I've diver, enough SEAL training books at this point that I'm like, eh, I probably would believe it. Bro, they I don't even talk about it. what they do to us in that program because most people wouldn't want to come in. If you thought, if you had any idea that they'd stick you over there like they did to us, it's it's something. There's not very many guys at that team, and most people don't even know about that team. But if you're a diver, that's that's awesome. I mean, I kind of started out at a young age. the The SEAL teams, I tell you, it's not that's not really scuba diving. They take the fun out of it. <laughs> oh yeah yeah so uh absolutely all right so man let's get this let's back this up a little bit I'm yeah sorry. take us take us way back because for those of you guys that don't know out there wait a second what was your answer on that oh i, I, I there's a lot of things i'm not good at sport if i was sticking to the sports thing sports in general i was never incredible at sports soccer and tennis i was 
okay at. The eye court, the hand-eye coordination, though, baseball, football, basketball, not so good. I think I'm just bad at taking instruction. Well, which is it? Yeah, probably both. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 All right, be honest, which is it? Both. <laughs> Thank honest. you for your honesty. Yeah, yeah yep. both. Rich, you were a math teacher? Is that true? Yeah, I was. You know, it's it's funny you talk about, like, not being good at sports. Honestly, like, I, I didn't grow up being an amazing athlete. You know, people think, like, oh, well, this guy, he won, a, like, a UFC title or whatever. When you see football players that win, um, you know, I don't know, win a Heisman Trophy or win a Super Bowl Trophy or something like that, you think that there's probably this pedigree of, of talent. Like, I don't know, their dad was a quarterback and their grandfather was a quarterback and they were the state champion quarterback or something. And I actually, in high school, I was – a third string high school football player, man. Like my first love was football and I wanted to play college ball and I want, I want, I obviously wanted to play pro bowl and it just wasn't in my cards. I didn't have the God given talent for that. So I was, I was like, um, Rudy, if, if you've seen the movie, Rudy, I was that guy. First guy on the me? field, last yeah. guy off the field and pr- probably had my entire senior year, a total of about six minutes of playing time. And so when my senior year, when we were hanging up our pads, I was like, what am I going to do? And for fun, I got involved in martial arts, like just so that I could do something that was quote unquote athletic. And, uh, and then I was, what, I what age is this high school, right? What high school? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Like right, I, go ahead. Playing college. That wasn't it. That was completely out of the cards for me. I, like I'm, I'm, I'm what I call like, I'm, I'm a mid range athlete. I'm not super explosive, but I can grind. Like I'm just a grinder and I'll keep, I'll keep going and going so I can maintain a certain level of explosiveness for a long period of time, but just that overall explosive and power. Like I didn't have what I needed to play, to play like college or NFL ball. So, you know, my senior year, I had no clue what I really wanted to do. I kind of banked on being a ball player, I guess, as a kid growing up. And then my, one of my, the guidance counselor started talking to me about teaching and she's like, man, you have this knack for breaking things down and explaining it in layman's terms. And, so I was like, eh, well, well, then I'll just major in education in college. And I was good at math, so I did math and went to a university here in Cincinnati. For all right, all right hold on for a second. Let's just explain this. Like, say, because when this is one of those conversations when you have it, like people, there is a one or the other. Like, there is not anybody who's just all right at math. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you're either good <laughs> at it or, or, or you're not. I got kids now, bro. And this is the funniest thing, man. I mean,. <laughs> Are they teaching that common core math to your kids? Oh, it, you can't. I mean, there's all kinds of, yeah. It, yeah. We, we can talk it's about terrible. that all day long. But what I, I didn't know, and, and I, this is a question. So I, you know, you got kids on the ground. I, and not that I did bad at math, but I had to study, right? So I wasn't one of the ones that just picked that stuff up. I, you know, I got to re- refresh. But when I had to teach my kids math, I remember teaching them the nines. And I didn't know that trick, even, even to, to up into the point when I was teaching my kids, I'd, that'd be like nine plus seven. I'd be like, I'd use my fingers or go on my head or something. I don't know why that was the way it was until somebody told me, he's like, all right, so whatever you nine plus whatever number is the number underneath it. So nine plus seven, what comes before that? Six, put a one in front of it, 16, nine plus six. What's underneath that? Five. It's, it's 15. Nine plus five is 14. Again, it's so far. I was like, wait a second. Is that, is that right? And, uh, and they were like, yeah. I was like, is there a freaking trick for everything? And, and they were like, yes, there is. It's just a matter if someone knows how to teach it to you, and that's ba- like, there's logic. Like when you say something, and everybody gets it. Like there, there's not somebody who really gets it. Somebody in the back who has no idea, and somebody in the middle who can figure it out. I mean, like everybody understands it. That's a gift, man. Ah, uh, but you know what though? Listen, when I was in high school, so I, 
my senior year, for example, I was taking a calculus course and I decided not to take the uh, advanced calc course just because I was like, I don't need it. And then in my senior year, I decided that I was going to major in, in mathematics. So my instructor was like, look, if you take if you finish the year out with the advanced calc course, then you can test out of your calc in your freshman year of college. So the second half of the year, like I was coming in after school to kind of make up the ground for what I'd lost on this advanced calc course. Long story short, I had only tested out of three of the four quarters that I needed for college calculus. And I couldn't test out of three quarters and just pick up at calc four. So I was like, well, I'm just going to go ahead and take the first, all four quarters of calc. I got into college, man, and I'm taking calculus and I didn't like I didn't have to study. And I was getting, you know, A minus, B plus, that kind of average through the four quarters of calculus. And I was like, man, this is easy. My sophomore year, I took I took linear algebra, which sound which sounds easy. It's algebra and lines. Right. It doesn't get any more complex than that, but it did. And I had this rude awakening. Like suddenly I, I'm not the kid from Goodwill Hunting. Like I had to actually work my butt off in college. I almost dropped out of college at that point in time because I was doing so terribly in that class and that was my major. I was like, I should be good at this. And I had been good at it my whole life. And so I quickly realized like mathematics, like being a sniper or like being a fighter or anything else, it's a skill and you have to work at it. Yeah. And now at this stage of the game, like I had a buddy one night that called me. He's like, Hey man, I'm taking this calc course in college. I'm like, you do realize I haven't seen this stuff for like 20 years now. So I, I literally like I have, I have a little box over here with my college books in it. I was like, look, Give me 20 minutes. Let me pull my books out. And I, I pull my books out. I'm like thumbing through things, studying and finding the equations, all the tricks that you referred to and, uh, and was able to help him out. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a skill like anything else. <laughs> well, some of the guys in my crew, every now and again, we get together and, and start, talk, we have to crunch. Cause some of people are great at it. Like my father, he was a he, math genius. He could just do that stuff in his head. Imagine the guys up in space, right? And like an astronaut, like, hey, man, we needed to crunch these gimbal numbers. Be like, man, what'd they say you need? He's like, hey, we got to do this math. Like, man, say we ain't going to make it. <laughs> I mean, there's, <laughs> there's just yeah, some guys on. down here. And I read one. There was, I swear, I don't even remember where I was at, man. But it was a framed picture. A framed picture. And it said, God made me bad at math because he knew I'd be too powerful. And that was a, a level of comfort for me. Because I tell you what, in the beginning, going through school, I didn't have... It was, it was weird because I had to study real hard and I, I didn't really remember it. And then now I'm at a point in my life where I, st I, I study it now. Like it interests me and I, I can't figure that out. I guess it's because we studied everything else or got our faces kicked in so much. That that's what's left. But I, I always thought that was the coolest thing when you would come into the ring, dude, is that you were a freak, the math teacher. I was like, yeah, but you listen, Marcus, you got to be good at math because like windages and uh, optic adjustments. And I am now. Else. That's my point. It was the way it was taught to me. Yeah, I was like, it yeah, became yeah. when they relative when it made was made relative to me. Like, why do I give me some reason to know these numbers and why they uh, compute like that? And once yeah. they put it in front of me like that, I was like, I got it. I saw. Yeah, I mean, not only did I get it, I remembered it because it <laughs> it made so much sense that you can't forget it. It's it's almost you're like at, that's the code. As a as a, <laughs> as a sniper, you're suddenly like, oh, hyperbolas and parabolas and conics. They all make sense. They now. all make sense. Yeah, why the Earth spins the way it does, why the planets. I was like. I'm, Okay, well, I was like, man, we'll lead with that, and I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll get it. <laughs> we can learn math and play with guns. Come on. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, man. listen, that's listen. As as a, if I was your teacher, like instead of saying like, you know, a train leaves Chicago heading, you know, towards New York at yes. eighty miles an hour. Correct. And the train, Those damn. Words. I would have been like, I would have been like this. Listen, Marcus, a train leaves Chicago at eighty miles an hour, heading due east. And you're on a mountain that's 1,200 yards away with a wind of like, now. I'm like, okay, 
So at what, what do you, how, how much do you have to lead in order to make this shot type of thing? Bro, now I can break it down to you because I know how long the track is, how many cars are on it, how many people are in each car. All right. As opposed to when the sun's going down or coming up and the wind behind it. That's the stuff I'll tell you now. And I I had no idea why that was the way it was when I was a kid. But now I do. You weren't given the right math problems. That's right, man. I wasn't given the right patterns. If I was your teacher, you would have been good at math when you were a kid. Damn right. I'm learning right now. (laughs) (laughs) I've been waiting. This is Man, I'm excited about this. This is going to be fun. So how long? Obviously, you graduated because you went on to be the math teacher. How long? First of all, this is back in the family. Mom, dad, are they teachers? I mean, we're just. No. Brother no, Greg, my dad, right? like I like my dad was my, my dad was uh like the guy that barely graduated high school. Yeah. I mean, like he, my dad graduated in 1969, so he uh, was part of that. Is he that a tough era. bat? Is, but is he tough? I mean, tough bat. I mean, no disrespect. I mean, to say it like that. I'm, I'm sure he is. It's like it's, yeah, my well, father yeah, was, and usually I'm just curious as to was it a father son thing or how'd you get into the fight game and football? As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Well, I, I don't know really because I think okay. So here, my dad was a uh, so I'm I'm about six one, two twenty two twenty five, and and I, like I don't know, I, I keep myself like I, I'm not I look pretty close to that magazine that you got in front of you there. Like I all just, the time. This, the life this is what you look yeah, like all, all the time. All the time. All the time. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just live that way. Like I I I still grind like I'm training for a fight. Like people ask me all the time like you still fighting, but my dad. And, and a lot of the men in my family, like my, my uncle, my cousins, uh, like my dad was 6'4", and when he was younger, he was about mm, 280, and he looked like a guy oh, who played <laughs> defensive tackle for an NFL team. Oh, like man. And, and, and he had this handshake, not like the kind of handshake where he was trying to crush your hand. He wouldn't try to crush your hand, but if you ever shook my oh, dad's yeah. hand. Oh, yeah. I know them dudes. It. Right. Yeah, yeah. The, and They're so, not trying. And, it just goes all the way around your mitts to where you – even if you're trying, it's it's like this sticking out one end and kind of yeah. I I bro that's happened to me twice <laughs> and, and my, I never my, forgot my, it. 
Yeah, because my dad, like, he shook my hand, like, he shook my hand one time, and I'm like, and like, every time, I'm like, Dad, like, you know, quit squeezing my hand. He's like, I, I thought you were tough, like you're a fighter. I'm like, yeah, I punch people with these things. They're sore. When you get me but, in there, um, like, like, reaching for a French fry in between the seats. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know what I'm talking about? Man, dude, I, and yeah. it's not who you think. It's not the like basketball players or people with the gigantic hand. It's, it's not them kind. Of, it's something different, man. When they, yeah. when they grab a hold of you like twice, I'll never forget it. <laughs> you kind of feel like what? <laughs> yeah. So you know, growing up in that environment, I, I was kind of the runt of the family, and I think that's really what motivated me, like from a young age, to work really hard at things. Like you know, I don't know. I probably had some sort of. Did Napoleon your brother? Concept. Did you? Did he whip your ass all the time? Greg, no, right? I was I was the bigger brother. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But actually, my brother's bigger. Like, he's he's got my dad's genes. So That's my point. I was like, he may be younger, but I mean, is he bigger or? Yeah, he's 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 a little bit bigger than me now. But at the time, I mean, I was I'm two and a half years older than him. So, uh, you know, unlike like your brother is only seven minutes older than you. You guys are probably roughly the same size, but I was always bigger than my brother. So I had that advantage growing up. But so now if uh, if it wasn't for my ability to fight, I'd probably have a hard time with my brother because he's uh, he's about my height, uh, but he's like 250. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean. He's he's more of a dad bod kind of guy. He enjoys his beer and cookies too, but he works I, out and he's strong. Well, that's the thing, you know. You get to a certain age, you earn that. I think, you know, I forget. I think it was it might have been Peyton Manning that said, "If you got a six pack after you're forty, man, you either better be a football player or a model or something, man." You know, it's kind of like. <laughs> well, I'm neither, man. <laughs> but I do have a six pack. <laughs> and there's in, in Texas in November, we grow out our beard. Like from November to January first, it's it's beer bellies and beards, man. You can just kind of relax down here. Yeah. Yeah, no, you gotta I, work uh, your I ass off when the year comes around because about summertime. You know, I'll tell you, it's like I I have this I have this really hard time, Marcus, like with things because I've grind I've I've really my whole life has been established on the grind that I put in, and if if I didn't grind, like if I, if it wasn't for my work ethic, I wouldn't be where I am today. Like within the sports world in college, you know, and I've had moments of of where I've mentally folded in life. Like my sophomore year of college, when I took that linear algebra class, like I mentally folded there. I, I literally showed up to one of my classes with my drop slips. This is before the internet, um, or at least the widely used internet. Oh, I remember it was back in nineteen hundreds. Yeah, yeah trying, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Last century, but um, but no, I had those like triplicate carbon copy. Uh, drop slips one of them filled out and my my instructor gave me this uh pep pep rally talk like listen man you know and, and talked me into coming in and taking this exam and you know i end up like it ended up changing my life around academically but um but no man i mean that's it it's like i all i got is this this work ethic and so my ability to say ah, i'm over 40 i've earned it i'm like mm -mm, i can't man i i still grind i get up and even on days where i don't plan on training hard like yesterday Yesterday was uh, was uh, yesterday's the Lord's Day, so I go to church on Sundays, and I still tell myself like it's Sunday. I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna hit 15 minutes on my treadmill just to force myself to do it, even though it's that day. Like just hey, I'm dude, like, are I you gotta still get up run my, on a treadmill? Heck yeah, I do. Is it cold up there every day? Well, you know I don't what, know man, how I you do that, man. I, I, we we have them here. I do the same thing. I got my ass on church on Sunday too, man. I still come down here and, and try to do, do something. And exactly. I think we're supposed to take a day off. I can't. Stop doing that either. I'm the same way. I don't have any special skills. I was mid-range, but, but little because I was a twin. And even in the SEAL teams, we have to keep a journal every day. I would write work harder than everybody else. But mm. That's all you get. That's a thing. You, yep. Even if you don't have any other skill set, you, you can do that. And I, that's what I respected about. I always heard that about you. Is you just like yep. outwork every, every, every other person. Dude, it, it, I mean, that's the case. You know, we were talking about Mike earlier in, in training with him, and I would come in, and this is no joke. 
his is this workouts, where you got that from oh uh, no i had i had that this was, I was gonna say me. from your dad and everybody yeah, I, I think this. I think this was the psychology of just being a young, like the smallest, the small kid in the family. Oh yeah, right. You know, like so, there's always something, this, right? This, this came at a young age. Yeah. Go ahead. But, I'm sorry. I mean, when I was when I was training with Mike, like I would, those workouts were so hard. Like our conditioning sessions that we would do, they were so difficult that I would come in like we would work out on a Monday morning and on Sunday night, I would go to bed with anxiety, knowing <laughs> what, like right? knowing what I was about Dude, to go right? through. Yeah, right. Like it's. <laughs> Like it's amazing what a one human can do to another human in an hour or hour and a half, right? right. It's just like, and so, uh, so, and, know, and you're doing it to yourself. I mean, they're just kind of their mo- that. That's the weirdest mental grind on when you. As a matter of fact, you don't ever want to think about it like that because wait a minute, I'm beating my own ass while this is here <laughs> motivating me here. Yeah, I, it's weird, but yeah, that's a thing. If y'all didn't know about oh, it, man. it's an apple. Th- it's a thing. You know, actually today, so like today's a perfect example. I'll, I'll tell you what I did for my workout today. Me and my brother went into the gym and, uh, and he like, he calls me, he's like, dude, don't get stupid today. And I was like, eh, no promises. So we, we, we went into the gym today and we were on the turf using the prowlers. It was legs day. And we did these, uh, real, uh, heavy sled pushes where we like, I had weight loaded on the sled, but also we were sitting on the sled for each other. And we did these heavy sled pushes, then mixed that with these, um, resistance band sprints. Yeah. Uh, and we did that to pre-exhaust our legs before we actually got to like our squatting oh, yeah, motion, which today was uh, a hack squat machine. And by the time we got there, our legs were so shot. We could like, it was like our weight was cut in half. And, uh, and then when we finished doing that, I was like, I was like, all right, man. I said, and I looked at him, I said, I'm sorry for what I'm about to do to you. And he's like, come on, man. And we did, uh, we did this hundred rep set with the, just the bar, a hundred rep set of squats with the bar. But uh, like our legs were just so shot that it just, it got to a point where, I think I got to 50 straight and then I had to break it down into sets of 10 because I was just having such trouble just with 45 pound bar on my back. Yeah. And, but man, every week it's just, it's, it's like this every week I do the same thing to myself. And to the point where if I had to get on a plane today, like my legs would sit there and cramp up and I'd be like sitting in the plane, like, Oh my God, why did I do this to myself again? But I do it every week. Yeah. I don't know why. Well, conditioning routine. We started with it. I, I, I still have to grind somehow too. And I was explaining this to some of the younger kids. Like, you, you know, you see those older guys, like when I say old, I mean like 90 years old where their body looks like it's contorting. I was like, that's their muscles are just tightened up. Like yeah. the, fir- the first part of your life, you're building them. That's why they call the back end, the stretch part. Like you're supposed to just kind of stretch it out a little bit. Yeah. Cause, and if you notice as you stretch, you get more fluid. It's just like a hot rod when you crank that sucker up, man, you got to give mm-hmm. it time to warm up. And, and is that, is that your cardio time too? I'm, I'm now we're, if we're talking about working on stuff, cause I still have to do this. I always, if you got, if you got something good, brother, you need to throw it at me. Well, I don't it, use yeah, the steel or I don't lift the big, the, I don't go heavy anymore. I mean, I, I don't mess around with all that. I, I do the bands and the, uh, free weights, but it's not heavy. I mean, nothing well, depends, over 50 pounds. I mean, it depends on how you define heavy for me because like 300 I, pounds, I I'm talking about like, dude, like over 300 pounds. Oh yeah. Like I'll do, like I went to, I, I actually posted a, a video of me. I think, I think I posted this one on my Instagram. I can't remember, but I was, um, I was, uh, out at, with, uh, a guy that I know that, uh, buddy, my Hans, Hans Mullenkamp, we were, I was at his gym and, uh, he worked, he does some work for monster energy drink. And we, we get to, we walk out there and he's like, well, let's just, uh, go ahead and work out. And he's got three thirty-five on the deadlift bar. Dude, yeah, no. And <laughs> he's like, let's do some, and we hadn't even warmed up. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, couldn't yeah. do, I mean, uh. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, 
I, I said, are you kidding me? I was, let's warm up. He's like, we'll warm up with that. I'm like, 335? So I was like, all right, fine. I'll go ahead. And, and we, you know, the first, like, I did a set, like, one rep, and I did another rep, and I get myself warmed up, which was just dumb. Like, I, I don't warm up with that kind of weight. But then we started talking trash, and I looked at him. I said, I, he's like, um, how many you want to do? And Because and, he was, like, talking trash. Cause right, right. It, See, one lift, yeah, he does there really it is well. right there. Yeah, and then uh, and I, I looked at him straight up. I was like, I'm going to do this 25 reps. And yeah, he's like, what's up? He's like, I'll do it 30. And I'm like, I want to see you. That same way, man. That's how we get in there like that. Yeah. And I literally picked this bar up and did 35 reps at 330 or 25 reps at 335. And he looked at me. He's like, yeah, no, I can't do that. (laughs) So, yeah, no, you know, I mean, for me, I just define heavy as like something that is the weight's so heavy that I can only move it, say, like less than 10 times. And I stay out of that, that weight range now. But other than that, like putting some weight on my back, even if it's, you know, 200 300 400 pounds as long as i can move it move it you know 15 plus times all right so what's the what just to do what to keep your body where it's at because what do you what are you training back then when i had to lift that much weight it was for a reason i'm yeah, saying you're still I, doing that and that was the way what, what's what for what i don't because uh, i don't know how not to oh check roger that. that's all you gotta say right? i mean no, that's an like, answer no that is an answer 100 <laughs> percent. it's like if, if you take like if you take the grind away from me yeah and then what am i Right. No, right. I, and it's like, and, and it doesn't, but the thing is, Marcus is it's like this grind, this work ethic that I have, I don't, it's not just the way that I work out. It's the way that I approach everything in life. There, I, there's nothing where I'm just like, mm, I've kind of earned my keep here so I can kind of half-ass work out or I can half-ass. Yeah, no, 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 my, I, that, that won't ever happen. It, it, that's yeah. ingrained. Like, and I tell people this all the time, like the, the, the babies that were born in the seventies and eighties, we're different than everybody else. Oh yeah. We're, we're hybrids. We're a little bit of the old school, a little bit of the new. I mean, you got the millennials mm-hmm. on the ground there thing, and the baby, we're completely different. Up until the point how we work out. Yeah. yeah the only way, I, I, and I know this, is, 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 is as extreme as the SEALs were in what we did, we can only be like that if you were like the way you were, which you were. We, I mean, we fed off of y'all. That's who we would watch. I would watch you over, while I was overseas. Yeah. We couldn't get any other TV on there, but they would make sure they had the fights on. Back then, that was a different type of fighting, what you guys were doing. And I'm not trying to bash the younger guys. I mean, there's some great fighters in there, but I mean, you didn't miss one of the when you guys were in there. No. When they threw y'all's generation in the cage, you didn't miss it. No matter where we were at, it's kind of like when they throw us in there too. Whenever we were going in there, it was going to wreck shop. You know, it's funny. I I, I travel and and I've done I've done quite a bit of um, work with the military, like traveling and either doing like little training camps like visiting the uh like the the marine the mcmap program or the uh army combatives programs yeah. and stuff oh, yeah. and i've actually i've actually met with some seal groups and taught seminars i was gonna say you like trained that. us before you've been out there but that's who that's who teaches us how to fight not only did we watch y'all you guys would actually come out i didn't know if you were part of that program or not because we yeah, never yeah. worked together because but i figured it, you were and it's so funny like from my perspective the respect that i get from the like military groups particularly when you're talking about special forces military groups like like a navy seals group and i always tell people i'm like listen man i said i said you got to understand the way that like a ufc fighter like somebody like myself how we revere people that are in programs like the seals because you guys like i Every night when I'm training for a fight, like I go to bed at the same time, I wake up at the same time, I get plenty of sleep, my nutrition is on point, I have recovery methods like ice baths and massages that I have to do. And massage sounds fun, but when you do massages properly, they're not great. But either way, it's like I take care of myself. Like you guys are dropped into a combat zone. You're 
in a, a super high stress situation. Your nutrition is completely jacked. You're de semi dehydrated half the time. You're running on zero sleep. And then you're basically expected to perform at the same level that an elite athlete is expected to perform while the elite athlete lives this life of comfort. So like when I look at myself and like I hear like seals and stuff talking to me like, man, mad respect. I'm like, uh, uh, nah, -uh. I'm nothing, nothing like you guys. Cause it's a, it's a whole different world out there. Well, that's how we train. And that's the difference between us and everybody else is, is, is that, that very reason most everybody else will train till they get worn out and then they'll stop. We'll, yeah. we'll train till we wear ourselves out and then the training will start. Yeah. Exactly. It's like fighters, man, you guys don't lose the fight till the end when you're worn out. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like if you train that part, but it's hard to get to that exhaustion level because the fight in itself is its own reality. I mean, we'll get into that in a minute, but the, the thing that we were, when you guys would show up, oh yeah, that was a big thing. That's a respect thing because how, how hard it is for us to get the qualifications that we have, uh, it's the same thing. It's a respect level to y'all. I mean, you, you, you have the same qualifications. You know how hard that is to become one of these guys and the, on, on that level. So as soon as you walk in the door, we're like, hey, man, <laughs> Teach us what you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, that's, that's the one thing that we're, we're good at is, uh, is hand to hand combat. I was, I was out at uh, camp Pendleton one time and I was with the Marsoc unit and, nope. and you know, I mean, I'm a Midwest guy and I, I like shooting. Actually, I went shooting with a couple of my buddies yesterday. And, um, and so we're, we're on the shooting course with these Marsoc guys and the, they're like, it was this time course that they did this little obstacle course where you shot these targets and you had to maneuver about the course. And I was thinking like, all right, I mean, I'm, I didn't expect myself to be as good as these guys, but I was like, you know, I should be able to kind of carry my weight, hold my own here. And man, as soon as, as soon as that instructor said, go, I never saw people with firearms moving the way that, that, that like as quickly and as efficiently as they moved. And like, I, like I'm still, and then I'm like, I'm in the middle of this course too. And suddenly I have to like drop down and do my stuff. And I ended up finishing the course, like, I don't know, probably seven seconds behind the guy that I was competing with. Like we did several runs, but it was like seven seconds is like, if you're running against Usain Bolt and in a hundred meter dash and you're like at the 50, 50 meter line where he's already coming across the finish line, like it's just, yeah. it's just ridiculous, you know? And so, uh, that, that definitely was one of those things where I'm like, yeah, no, I, I, I realize I have a specialty for sure. And that, and all this other stuff is not something that I specialize in, but I'm definitely a hobbyist. We are supported by... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do 
and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I was in a similar situation, man. When when I had to go hang out up in uh, in Hollywood, there's there's some team guys. It was a birthday party. We went and played paintball. Oh yeah, all right. And and they wanted to see how. And they just at the end of it, at the end of all of it, it was all of them against a couple. They wanted to go against a seal, see how long it would take for them if they could beat us because there was a bunch of them and there was only a handful of us. Were you guys playing like uh, like a speedball on a course? Or yeah, we were on like, a course. <laughs> oh, that's because that's a whole, that's completely different, man. I, absolutely. And I tried. It's not like military strategy to that game. Right, right. Yeah. So when when uh, it was over before it even like we just kind of clambered in there and and they were all they couldn't believe how fast we were and how even though we had to work together, right? It's just yeah. like there's a there's it doesn't matter. There's a commonality. Yeah. Like there's an ebb and flow, man, and it, it it only takes about a half a second for them dudes to get together and figure out what's going on and they'll go. And then my my point with to that I was like, man, well, wouldn't you be upset if we couldn't do it like that? If we weren't that smooth? That's because that's what we do. Yeah, exactly. The same same mindset, just kind of a, a different playing field. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Though. There's some units out there. I mean, no communicate. You don't have to talk. Yeah, it's like man, it, you can just feel that that vibe, and it's just like an ebb and flow. And that yeah. the Marines, man, they handle their business for sure. For yeah, sure. it's like a, like a basketball team that's used to playing together. You just kind of get to the point where you know which player is going to be at what place on the court at yeah. any given time. You know, no look passes and stuff oh, yeah. like that. That's how you know they're flowing together, and and, and not everything else is just in their way, but not yeah. really. I just wanted to ask you this question because every time I watch you guys go into the ring, man, is the anticipation of the fight worse than the fight itself? And the only reason I ask that is because you, there's that fear and anxiousness thing. Like yeah. A lot of people train a long time or I'll train them and they'll come up to me and they'll be like, no matter what I do, I still have this fear. And I'm like, well, that's actually anxiousness. It runs off the same gland. Right. I yeah. mean, it's just, it's, it's, and when that first punch is thrown, then you're like, oh, oh yeah, let's go. I was I was fighting in Japan and at the time I had maybe 15 or 16 fights and I was sitting in the locker room and I'm the same feelings that I always get nerves and yeah I'm 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 not a puker I'm the kind of guy that feels like I'm going to pee my pants the whole time and I had uh Jeremy Horn in my corner who at the time probably had about 130 fights. Oh, and I know I'm, who he is, yeah. Yeah, Jeremy's a legend. I remember man. that. Yeah, and, I remember that. And uh, and he taught me a lot, a lot of the stuff about the fight game that I knew early in my career. And I looked at Jeremy and I said, man, I said, when does this nervousness like when does this go away? And he said, well, when it does, I'll let you know. And I, and I just remember sitting there thinking like, man, he's got a 30, 130 fights. And I'm just like, this sucks. And I knew at that point in time, like I was always waiting for that fight where I was like, oh, no, we're just an, it's just another day. That never office. happens. Nope. Okay. Never. Because it and never so, happened to me either. I was just wondering. Yeah. So I would sit in the locker room. I mean, I would sit in the locker room before the fights. Like that scene, when you see that scene in Gladiator, when they're underneath the Coliseum, yeah. the small yeah, Coliseum, yeah. Yeah. and that guy pisses his pants, yeah. and he kind of, you know, Gladiator steps Got out of the way. that dude outside that gate slinging that whatever it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that scene. And he steps out of the way of the urine, and you can just hear the crowd. Like, that's what the feeling was like for me every time I was in the locker room. I hated it. And then you would walk out, and the moment that you hit the the, the arena, 
It's like one of those lamps. You know, remember those lamps? You may have had one when you were a kid. It was like a ball and it had the electric, like the electric. Oh, yeah. You touch that sucker in it. Yeah. And the electric, the little electric lines would follow you, but you could kind of feel the electricity. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's like walking out to the arena. Like you feel that energy in the air. You can feel it like you could feel it on that lamp. And it's, it's, I mean, it's a very intoxicating feeling. Sure. And then when you, when you get in the ring, in, you know, that cage door shuts, it's like, it's just at that point in time, it's almost like being in a play and the entire audience fades to black and you can't see or hear anybody in that audience except my coaches, because I have a trained ear for their voices. And it's like me and this guy are just in that, in that, that cage. So what's dancing. the ambient sound like? I, I'm not, this is my favorite question to ask you guys. The, the, That's got the to ambient. be the heaviest moment is that walkout. And I, and I, I never had to do it. I had to drop into a cage, but I mean, going all the way back to building Coliseums, you know, back in the Roman days when they built them around gladiators to fight. Yeah. I mean, that's what that, that's what that is. They pecked that sucker and you guys go marching out. That's unbelievable. I mean, that takes balls that you have to hot, you know, pull around a freaking dump truck to do that, bro. Yeah. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the, the fear, like <clears throat> never did I really fear getting hurt. That was like, I, I don't, I, I don't believe if I was actually fighting, for example, in Rome, in the Coliseum, that my fear would be death as much as it would be because people fear things like failure. Right. And that's, that, you think I mean, that's, that's different for every fighter though. What? That's different for every fighter. You think? I, I don't know. I mean, for me, because I, I'll say this, my worst critic was the man in the mirror. I had to come home and, and, and I had to look myself in the mirror and tell myself I failed when I lost. Yeah. Yeah. And so because some like, people fear death. It got to the point, it got to the point for me where it didn't matter if there was a million people watching or a hundred million people watching, because none of those people mattered. Like it didn't matter if some armchair quarterback Monday morning guy was like, Yeah, well, Franklin should have done this or whatever. Like, none of that stuff mattered. I had to come home and be like, bro, you fell short, man. Like you didn't you didn't accomplish your goal. Oh, that's a, well, that's a great way to say that. I mean, because a lot of these younger fighters, they suffer from that. Like they yeah. get, they get wrapped up and that, and the fighting is a head. It's a, it's a mind game yeah, as well. And just to get wrapped up about what people who aren't even in the fight are saying that doesn't, it, it can, it can eat you alive. Absolutely. You got, listen, in life, you have your circle of control and you got to worry about the things that are in your circle of control. And if, when, once you start worrying about things that are outside of your circle of control, then you, like you will, your, your mind, you'll be distracted. You'll be on things that like, it'll, it'll take your, you know, it'll, it'll take you away from the goal and, yeah. uh, and, and completely distract you. It's like, you have to hone in on that stuff and say, these things I can control. And so I will affect them. So when I was getting ready for a fight, for example, like, you know, you could start reading an article, uh, some analyst that's breaking down the fight, like all oh, Franklin's not strong enough for this guy. He's, you know, and whatever. And then you start thinking like, man, is this guy that strong? And then it's like, well, can I control that? Can I control if he's stronger than me? And it's like, well, I can, but I can't. Like, I can't go make him weaker, so why worry about it? But what I can do is I can focus on my game plan and approach the fight in a way that will help negate his strength if he really is stronger than me. And so now I'm oh, focusing well, I mean, on You should have already that known that, though, right? What? By the time you get there, you already knew that. Whatever they're saying, strength, you already know that. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, yes and, if and you, no. If you don't acknowledge it, well, that's as, acknowledging it, right? That's the problem. As the fight approaches... If you are the kind of person that starts listening to the, the noise in the background, then you start you start thinking about these things and you forget, like, I can't control this. Right, right, so I right. I got to refocus myself. Right. That's, that, that's yeah. kind of what I'm trying to say is it's just like, hey, man, noticing and letting it affect you are two different things. Like, hey, he has this reach and it does this. I'm like, well, yeah, we, we already know that. But thinking about it aggravates it. <laughs> yeah. You've already trained for it. Exactly. 
That that's that's when we were talking about, man. When you go in, instead of just trying to be a fighter, just fight. Exactly. And and that just to back up that work ethic that we had, and people ask us, like, how do you how do you guys get like that? I was like, repetitive, man. We just practice till we just. That's all we do. That's our life, actually. Yep. Life is practice. Imagine we're you and I are training for something later in life, like after we leave Earth and Jesus puts us somewhere else. It's like this, this is the that's, interim part. So exactly. it never gets old. It's like I get out in the morning. I can't wait to get on the mowers and start cutting the grass. I know it's going to grow back. Like the minute I, I do that, I know it's going to grow back. But I just I, there's something calming about it. I'm I'm telling you, there's different things down here. Like some of us are different, come from different clubs. People look at us like, man, why do you guys do that? And the first, the easiest answer is I don't know. And the second would be life. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just the way it is. And what we try to do is get good at it so we can explain it to people so they can enjoy the fruits of our life as we live it. Yeah, I, I don't know how many times I've had that, that comment. Why do you guys do that? I don't know. I really don't know. But I know this much. If I didn't do it, then where like, what, where would I be? No. Then what? God made some of our hands to get beat up. Some of us came down here to bleed. I mean, the, I think you know, the boss man has a great sense of humor. You, you got to know that. I try to explain that to people. They, they don't think about that. They're like, well, how do you think guys like us exist, man? Look at <laughs> We get our butts added to us all the time, which is amazing to me. I, most this is what gets overlooked most professional fighters everyone who doesn't know anything about them thinks they like to go out in the streets and get in fights all the time that's not it, it can be further from that actually the more technical the more the better you get at something the more the less you want to do it out of an aggression thing especially in in this world but talk about that ebb and flow of getting ready for a fight then the immediate after you know after it's over it's like Whoa. right i mean that that's a man that has to change you every time you go into like jeremy 100 100 fights man bro i'm talking about like like sanctioned pro, pro and like where they everyone was oh. looking that's that's hardcore yeah like uh, well i'll say this you know i would be sitting in the locker room and, and you know talking about fear and anxiety i would sit in the locker room literally praying like god just if you can make the lights go out tonight that'd be awesome and you walk out and then you fight and when you're done and i mean the moment that that first punch is thrown whether it lands or not it doesn't matter because all that fear and anxiety goes away because now you're in the moment doing what you do but when that fight's over and your hand get ra gets raised you're just like immediately man let's do this again what is it knowing what? knowing that you're going to willingly just put yourself right back right. in this same vicious cycle <laughs> that's amazing that, yeah that, that feeling that that's what i'm talking about like you, there's only one way you can get that feeling and I couldn't imagine being a champion, like like you like that belt. That how about that? I watched it when you I, won the when when you won the middleweight, man. I, that I actually I don't I don't think the um I don't think the belt really changed anything because it even when I was fighting at an at an like at an amateur level, my first amateur fight it was the most important fight of my career at the time. Okay, that's a that's a great way to say that. And then, and then my second amateur fight at the time was the most important fight of my life and so on and so forth. And it's not like, it's not like you have this extra motivation, or at least I didn't, because at the end of the day, keep in mind, like if my worst critic is the man in the mirror, if, if I lose an amateur fight, I got to come home and tell myself like, bro, well, how'd you drop the ball on that one? Like that sucked, you know? Um, so it's like, that's just every fight was important to me and, and having the title, there was always something. And that's the one thing I didn't like about the fight game, right? Because I got into martial arts as, to, to pursue excellence, to become good at a, at a, at a skill, like to just pr pursue this skill at, at, at a level of excellence. But eventually what ends up happening is you start focusing in on opponent, like rather than being good at something, you're oh, like, yeah. let, me, yeah, yeah, let yeah. me figure out how to beat this guy. Those are different. That, yeah. That, that, that takes away from what martial arts, martial arts, a lifestyle. 
yeah. That's why you're always and, going back into it. Like we're, to get into a fight. I mean, talk about that. Cause I, my whole life, even from a boy, like in the 1900s, and we'd have to get up on Saturdays and watch the you know, Black Dragon Theater, uh, Kung Fu. Kung Fu, were, Kung Fu Theater on bro, Sundays. That when we came bro, home from church, man, me and my so dad. So good. So good. I, YouTube yeah. might be one of the best inventions ever when it comes to finding those old relics. Absolutely. I mean, I'll talk not, old martial arts movies with y'all freaking day, especially. Now, you know, like, I, I, I can't even remember. I can't remember the last time I got into a, an actual altercation on the street. I think the last time I got into an altercation on the street was I, for, I, I was living in LA for a couple of years. I owned a uh, juice cafe out there and w- I was up at the kitchen where we worked, which was in North Hollywood. And it was kind of a sketch neighborhood. And uh, we walked out late at night, taking like some of my employees taking the trash out. And I walk out and there's this guy that broke into this, this girl that worked for me. He broke into her car and I caught him mid act. And I just kind of knocked on the window. I'm like, Hey bro, I'm like, get out of the car. And, uh, and then he, like, he tried, he climbs out the, uh, the window on the opposite side and tries taking off running from me. And I was immediately like, Oh, sweet man. Foot pursuit. Like this is going to be fun. Right. And, and I ended up subduing this guy and, and, uh, you know, there's a whole story to that, but like, that was probably the last time that I ended up getting in any kind of altercation on the street. And it was amazing to me, just like how you were talking about the paintball game is how, how efficient and quickly you guys are. It's like when you're, when you're fighting somebody on the street, that's not trained. Oh yeah. It's almost like, it's like, I'm, I felt like Neo in the matrix. Like they went to throw a punch and I'm like, that's really right. like it was so it was so slow to me because there's so many tells and different body like the, the the way that the body mechanics move and whatnot if you're not trained and it was just yeah so the thought of actually getting into a fight with somebody who's really untrained is it's unfair well it's that <laughs> it, it, it boils it back all the way down to a predator and prey kind of deal because as soon natural instinct if something takes off running whatever it is it made it do is going to want to chase it yeah we're taught that as kids yeah. I mean, it's it, you know, it's ingrained in us. That's a thing. When people are like, "Why you took off running? Why'd you chase him?" Because he freaking took off running. I don't know, right? Because I was because God designed me that way. Yeah, I was I like, know. you can't help it's it. Part there of my things, DNA, man. That's part of it. Like some of us came down here to take it, to have to do it. This there, there's everyone is unique at their fingerprint, man. No one's the same height or color or anything like that. And each one of those personalities. I'm not saying there's not similar similar things down here, but that's hilarious. I can't even remember the last one I got into, man. Tell you the truth, I'd have to think about it. But you get to that age, so you turn around teaching part now. God kind of did that too. I, I, I walked that warrior path, traditional martial arts, like you know, the be the warrior in the beginning, at the end. Man, I'm a gardener. It was either a painter, <laughs> a painter, poet, or gardener, right? Uh, but I, I do the garden part, and it's so I'm, I love it, raising the kids and trying to be to this part. I'm trying to get to the point to where I don't think about it. Like, do you think about fighting every t- every day? No, no, not not getting in one. That's a huge difference. I'm just talking about the overall concept of it. Is that still no? Not really. I, I I'll, I'll not until I uh, not until I go train. Like today, today Monday. Like I, I typically lift on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I'll lift and do some auxiliary cardio. Now t- my lift today had sled work built into it, and so I I probably like did a series of intervals where my heart rate was spiked yeah. uh, to, I would say probably 185 ish or something. How like long that. do you hold that? What? How long are you holding that? Oh, not long. I was just uh, interval training, like quick sprint, get, Couple, oh, yeah, okay. you know, peak it out and then let yeah, it bring, yeah. bring it back down. Um, and so that's all I'll do today, but like tomorrow I'll, well, normally today I would go in and uh, I would do a jujitsu class as well early, earlier in the morning, but with everything we had going on today, I didn't have time for both. So 
um, my strength and conditioning always wins that battle. But yeah, like tomorrow, I'll probably go to the gym tomorrow and do some bag work, something like that. Get my heart rate up yeah, more of a yeah. steady game, leg strength, all that kind of stuff. Like my, my whole, um, my whole training philosophy is kind of like keep myself battle ready for life in the sense of like not fighting, like not battle in that sense. But if, like, if you said to me, Hey Rich, let's go do uh let's, let's go do a hike on the John Muir trail that I wouldn't have to say, okay, well, give me a month and a half to train for it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could, right. I could you Roger know, that, right. I could throw a 40-pound pack on my back and we could go do a, you know, 50, 100-mile hike, you know, over a period of days with elevation changes. And I don't have to worry about being able, not being in good enough shape to do that. And yeah. so all my training kind of keeps me in shape to pretty much do whatever I want to do. No, it's our lifestyle. It's our, That's a generational thing, I think, with us because all of our buddies are like that. I yeah. mean, at any point in time, we can go – but some of my crew, my brother, he still runs those ultras. I mean, yeah. it, 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 you know, I, I know. Like some of these, like what? No, and then they want to want they want me to go watch them do that. I was like, first of all, I don't like to run. Moreover, yeah. I don't want to watch you do it. And that that kind of thing, right? <laughs> I was like, well, there's other ways to get entertainment, but our our guys find a uh, and our gals actually find a Listen, hard way man, to do anything. I have I have this uh, this this is my thought process on running. I had to do so much road work for. Uh, for fights like but i would 5k that's it that's all i got three mile runs and anything beyond three mile run my my idea is this like if i haven't caught what i'm trying to kill in three yeah. miles or yeah. if whatever is trying to kill me Good hasn't caught me in three miles then both of us have failed right and we, we just need to stop at that point in time so oh, there's man. there's never any need to run more than three miles period bro yeah i'm great with it. or it earned it that freedom it's like dude if you if you can put out like that man catch you on another day for sure. So I, I got a question. And, and the because you fought wars in the ring, man. I'm not even kidding. I, I mean, freaking. Are there guys that? And the only reason I can think like this is because the guys that grew up around. I mean, there are guys you just know. I mean, like, you, you if you you have to fight them, you want to fight them. That you're anxious to fight, as opposed to when you get in there, like, dude, this some bitch is tough. It's gonna be a freaking. I mean. Of course, you say that when you're going into it, but there's just dudes that are notorious like, dude, man, that guy is freaking tough. Oh, like yeah, Dan, man. Like, like Dan Anderson or, or uh, just like you got to beat them to death. There ain't no whipping no, their ass, right? I'll, I'll, t I'll tell you who comes to mind. The, fir the first people, like first person people that come there's to gotta mind. There's got to be one that just snaps right in there, right? When you... the, the, the Diaz brothers. Oh. Well, those guys. Thank like, you, yeah. I think like <laughs> fighting those guys would be like kind of like your worst nightmare man i mean <laughs> Together, those guys like right? you can hit you can hit them with the kitchen sink man and they will not go away like it is it is not a battle of skill i mean it is a battle of skill because these guys are both talented so don't take that out of context but i mean that that is a battle of wit and grill like, oh yeah wit and will man like, i don't take that out of context that is exactly right I, them guys are awesome i mean you talk yeah. about brother when you my brother and I talk about them. I was like, man, well, we never have to tangle them. We have to kill them suckers, man. They just are freaking tough. And, and the more you beat on them, the tougher they get. They, yeah, exactly, they, man. It's been a pleasure watching them. I'll always watch them when they get in the ring because they'll just show you what it's like to grind.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Some people take the straight path in life. But at Arizona State University, we respect your twists and turns. They make our online students more driven to excel in their professional lives. That's why our personalized suite of services empowers you with innovative resources and staff that sticks with you. Make your next turn with one of our 300-plus programs at ASU, number one in innovation for nine consecutive years. Visit us at asuonline.asu.edu to learn more. That's the whole thing. I think there are athletes and I, and I pride myself on that. I look, I look back at my career and whatnot. It's like they're, they're athletes that just put it on the line when they get in the cage. Right. And that's it. Like you're, you're going to leave it all out there. Win or lose, like win or lose, you deliver, you deliver a good, a good fight. And I can look back at my career and be like, man, there's maybe like one or like re- literally like maybe one fight where I'm like, maybe that one wasn't super entertaining i don't know but from the fan perspective like i always went in i left it on oh, the line i never saw that or I, I don't know which one you're talking about but i don't that's i don't I, and i'm talking about from the beginning even before you yeah, i don't know you I, got, I, I would say I, if i, I had yeah, a they pick, put out pretty good bro <laughs> i mean well, i'll say this if i if i picked a fight my worst performing fight i actually talked about this in my ted talk my worst performing fight and i won was my travis luter fight because everything that we trained for it was like it, it didn't go right like, like everything we knew exactly what he was going to do he did exactly i drilled exactly the way that i should like he came in and he cut off the cage and i drilled footwork but i still failed in the cage and like he kept doing everything and i had all the tools in the toolbox to beat him but failed but like if you look at for example the my like my first anderson fight like i made some strategic mental errors in that match and 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 deserved to lose that match because I remember going into camp thinking like, man, I'm way bigger than him. I'm way stronger than him. Like if he clinches me, he's going to be in trouble. And then, and then I got clinched in that fight and I was like, whoa, what the heck is going on? And so, you know, that's, that's a completely different scenario. Had I actually done all the work that I needed to do to prep for that and still lost, like I did with Luter, um, it's, it's, it, you know, but I mean, fortunately yeah. I was able to with Luter, like find an escape and turn, turn that fight around. But yeah, man, I mean, just, I failed at everything in that fight. Now here, now there's this bro from my, from my angle on that, man. I was like, well, that's that don't look at it like that. Cause we, a lot of times, most of the time we would go in with a plan. It'd go down. Oh, yeah. Matter of fact, it'd go down so smooth. You're just kind of like, whatever. That's how you get complacent. And then there's ones when their plan just gets thrown right out the damn window. And if you, sur- I mean, you get through that, that's something. Exactly. That, that, that's, that, 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 that and, teaches you more than anything. 
Exactly. And that's what the, the, the Travis Luter fight showed me for me personally. It's like, you know, it's easy to go in. Like, you know, a lot of people will talk about my Nate Quarry fight, for example. And, you know, when you're in control of a match and you knock somebody out with a, with a decisive knockout, like that's, it's an easy match to look good. It's an easy match to pat yourself on the back. Like, Hey, look at me. But when you go in and you, you, you mess things up and then you get in the worst, like it got so bad in that match with Luter. I wasn't, like my, my coaches were pretty much like, look, if this guy mounts you, like, don't let that happen. Cause if he mounts you, the fight's <laughs> over. And, and I ended up, I ended up mounted in this match and, and, and I'm sitting there like, I don't, now I don't oh, even damn, have coach, So if that happens and all right, then what do I do? Not in your head. It's like, it's like, like no, it's like, it? if, if he mounts you, like you're just done. Like all at that right, point in time, the fight's whatever. over. Thanks coach. All right, Roger. But, that. but you know, yeah, I had man. this moment of like, oh my God, I've, I've lost. And then I was able to like feed this, this, uh, this arm bar to him and do this hitchhiker escape and get, and get out of, and it was so demoralizing to him at that point, but it's like, man, I had to dig down and, and it's like, what are you made of? Are you going to mentally fold here? Or are you actually going to come through this after having all this series of failures in this match, you know? And, uh, and that was one of those, that was one of those fights. Like that fight showed me what I was truly made of more so than like a, a 30 second knockout highlight. Yeah. Yeah. Which that thing was awesome. I know what the knockout you're talking about, man. Well, let me ask you this. So when you were, when, when you were in there and that was going down, what was, have you talked, do you ever talk to the guys afterwards? Like after the, like after, I'm not talking about like right after that, that shit. I'm talking about later down, like, bro, man, that was a great scrap we got into. You got any buddies like that? Have you walked up to any of them and been like, bro, I mean, yeah, because we talk, we talk about that. You usually do after, after the, uh, after the match, like you'll walk in and, and like, I remember talking to Vanderlei after my, my ma- second match with him. And I was like, and you know, or, or I, I, like I said to Chuck, I remember talking to Chuck after we, he and I ended up at the hospital together and I'm looking at him. I'm like, and I'm like, bro, what, what did I ever do to you? Like, why? why <laughs> That's I'm what like, I'm talking about. Like, dude, man, yeah. I, you know, it kind of hit me hard there. And it was, uh, you know, I, felt, I, I, felt personal. I felt kind of personal. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I was like, I, 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 I'm like, I, I, what, did you hear I called your mom bad names or yeah, something? I mean, like, what, what? What are we, what's going on here, bro? I love you. Yeah. That's <laughs> the best. When you, but when you wind up at the end of the, there are guys like this, man, and gals, when you wind up at the end of the day in the hospital with your dude, you're like, Oh, it was awesome. Especially if you're alive, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, Lawazo and I, uh, David Lawazo and I spent the evening in the hospital together. Like, that was our, that was our after fight party. Because that was a hell of a fight. I, yeah, yeah, I broke my hand in yeah. that fight. Was your forearm or your hand? in my ankle. Lawazo, did you break your forearm or your, or your hand in the Lawazo fight? No, the, the, the Liddell was the forearm. That was the ulna. And uh, Lawazo was my uh, second metacarpal. I think I broke that when I was throwing a punch and he dipped down. I caught him on top of the head. And in, in, in my mindset back in those days, it was the, kind of the high school college mentality. So like, if we're all in one big school and like y'all were our tough guys, I know this sounds weird, man, but that's kind of how I looked at it. And I would think about it when you guys would fight. Cause we, you know, you get you, back in those days, man, we like had a relationship with all of y'all. Like we knew who y'all were, knew yeah. you, what you were doing. And it was kind of new to everybody. So we were, we made sure we paid attention. And I was like, man, I can't believe the freaking rich and, and chuck have to fight again because uh, it felt like man like what, what, what why, who, who said something they, it didn't feel like you were getting paid it just felt like that was part of the day and i mean yeah. that no it was, was different you know what then. happened with with that fight right is that chuck was uh chuck was a coach on season 11 of the ultimate fighter and he was set to fight tito tito got injured yeah, that's right during the show show right yeah then i got a call from dana i was cooking at the, that night when dana called me and said hey look explains the situation and I looked, I just said to him, I said, did, have you hit Chuck with this idea? Like, is he willing to fight me? And Dane is like, yeah. And he's like, he'd no, fight we, anybody, like, right? Well, it wasn't just that. It's like, they needed somebody that they knew 
people would actually tune in to watch, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, because well, there was that. this rivalry between yeah, Chuck yeah. and Tito. Yeah, yeah. So immediately the organization's like, well, who are we going to get to fight Chuck? Like, who will actually pay for a pay-per-view? Yeah. Like, who, yeah. who do we need? And so they called me, and I'm like, yeah. So I came in for the last three weeks of the Ultimate Fighter, yeah, show, finished out being the coach on that season, and then Chuck and I were the uh, the headline fight of the kind of the capstone of that, I guess, so to speak. God, man, that was some good times, man. I I mean, the excitement in our house when those fights would go down, we stay up. You didn't miss any of that. Hey, hey, who's notorious? I mean, who who's the guy in, in the UFC? But all the fighters, I mean, you're still an avid fan. Watch. There's so many. Man, there's so many fights these days. It's unbelievable. It's, yeah. It's, I, it's, I mean, I mean it's a, hard. It, it's hard for me to keep up, and I'll see some of the marquee fights. Like, I saw the Colby Covington fight. Oh, okay, with, so that's um, not a Masvidal thing just on this end, right? I mean, there, there literally is so many of them. They're hard to keep up with. Yeah, but, you know, for me, though, I work for one championship. And, and so on the other side of the planet, like, we just had our 10th anniversary show, uh, you know, just a few days ago. Congratulations, and, by the way. And so it was a big show. Like, Demetrius Johnson fought Rod Tang in that hybrid match that we did. I don't know if you guys saw anything about that. But it was like, you know, with an, we have a roster of, I don't know, 400 plus athletes or whatever we have. And so me keeping up with our roster is hard enough as is for me to try to keep up with, you know, UFC, Bellator, PFL, all these yeah, other yeah. organizations on the planet, you know? Well, talk about that now. I mean, that transition from the fight game to, you could transition to anything you want to be actually after your fighter. <laughs> well, I mean, that's just yes how no. it is, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, fortunately for me, like having a math background and being college educated helps that I'm not just like a, a face, like I can actually do work. But I'll say this, working for one, one championship, when I was, I would go to the events when I was done fighting, it, it took me probably two to three years to actually get to the point where I could sit in the arena and, and enjoy the show or enjoy what I was doing for my job. Like if I was commentating, yeah. because every time I was there, I had the same feelings as if I was competing. That's what I'm talking about. Well, yeah. That's what I was talking about earlier. When did that go away? Uh, uh, probably. Um, that's, that's, the, that's exactly what I'm talking about. When, when I was like, hey, so when you get, when did you get rid of that, that fighter feeling? Like when, when you were standing there and it was going down as opposed to being where you're at now, how long did that take? Because that, that's would, a problem for a lot of guys. Not a problem, but I, I think it should be acknowledged that that's actually a thing. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
Yeah, I, I would say probably like, I don't know, probably about three or four years after I retired, it took. Yeah. And, I, and I think I think what helped it was me being actually in the atmosphere, finally getting to the point where it's like, I, I can be here and just enjoy this show. Sure. And, and even to this day, Marcus, like, I don't like listening to my walkout song. I like my walkout song for those about the rock by ACDC. Awesome song. But I hate listening to it because it puts me in a, in a mental headspace that's like, man, I'm, I'm ready to just go. Like, it's like, you've just, you've taken like, and just riled me up. Bro, and that's, uh, that's and so, audio like, programming the, that they do that yeah, to us. Yeah. If I'm at the gym and, and that song comes on, I've been, <clears throat> there are times when I'm at the, at the power station, Mike's gym, and that song will come in and I'll just walk. I'll be like, dude, can you do me a favor to flip the station or turn it down during this song? Cause I don't want to stand. I don't want to sit and listen to it while I'm working out. I just, it just puts me in a different headspace. Man, I, I, I get that. I get some grief sometimes online when they're like, Hey man, play your ACDC. Cause ACDC is one of them. Whatever yeah. that is. If I hear like highway hell's hell's bells is what triggers. So I would play hell's bells to get everybody ready. I was like, when you hear yeah. them freaking bells ringing, boy, you better get your ass ready. Yep. So I don't Great listen to them either. Well, that's audio programming. If those songs even come on, I got to go the other way. And it's because exactly. I will switch. Yeah, that's exactly, what does exactly. it. I mean, I mean, from what I can smell, the, the the taste in my mouth changes. Once you solidify it with a fight, like you train up with that music, and then you go in there like a cage animal, and they and we get hit like we do, th that's programmed. I mean, you, you could do that to football players if you wanted to, but yeah. with us, it's absolutely. I man, that's a real thing. For I don't know if for your training, you guys did any kind of like visualization exercises or anything. Absolutely. Like that. But so we did a lot of visualization exercises and. Um, I would come in on a weekly basis on say like a Saturday, for example, and we would do a sparring session. But when I was doing my sparring on Saturdays, I would come in, I would go into the locker room. My coaches would be in there. They would stretch me out. We would play locker room noises that were recorded because oh, yeah. I, I worked with a, a mental, mental performance coach. And so he had recorded like locker room noises and me getting introduced. So we would listen to these tracks and I would walk out to the cage for that sparring day with my music. And it was this entire visualization exercise so that each week, it felt like I was walking out to my fight, yeah. and then we were and we would have visualization all week long for different kinds of things. I'm big on visualization, but um, but by the time I actually got to the the real match, it felt like I'd been there a dozen times. That, you know, those that's same, the same feelings. Thing we like do. Yeah. Now, yeah. when when you're sitting in the locker room, nervous, you it's anticipated. You know that that's how you're going to feel, and 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 it, and it helped tremendously. But all that to be, it's like that you know, that audio priming that you're talking about going on or the audio conditioning, it's like, that's what it does. It puts you back into that headspace because you've spent so much time conditioning yourself to be there mentally. That's right. On the flip side, do you ever play that music or play those sounds to get you into a headspace that you need to be in now that you're out of the fight space for training purposes, just for whatever it be working out or whatever the case may be? Listen, the last thing I need to be is on the highway with some douchebag going 50 <laughs> in the fast lane listening to for those Listen about to that. The rock. <laughs> yeah. Like that's not what no, I need. You can't unprogram that. Exactly. You, you'd have to go all the way back through life and reprogram <laughs> those those songs are ruined forever. Not ruined, they're just they hold a special place with a special person. Yeah, that's yeah, the thing. There, uh, to to answer your question seriously though, there is some music that is like kind of synonymous with uh some of the workouts that we did like um Oh, I don't know the name of the song. What's Disturbed song? The one that's wow, ah, 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 that. Oh, the, down with the starts, down with the sickness. Down with the sickness, man. Yeah, down with the sickness. Like that song brings back some memories of us working out in this Are gym you, and <laughs> with our yeah. generation, dude, bro. That's so, our generation, kind of. There's a couple of those hymnals when they came in. Anything from Meta Metallica, man, and Sandman. 
But, I, but I'll tell you this on the flip side, like when I'm like when I when I come out of a training session and I'm still amped, which typically isn't the case, because by the time you're done, you're so depleted of energy that you, like, yeah. you don't need to be brought <laughs> right? down. But in the event that I do need to be brought down, like I would listen to like uh, like one of my go to songs was uh, what I got by Sublime. Yeah. You know, yeah. because it's just it's just a good oh, message. Yeah, in that song. yeah, you should have both. Yeah, I mean, music rhythm. You, you find a playlist. That's man, technology these days, man. If we'd had that back in back in the day, you had to flip the tape, rewind it, do you know whatever it was, however we got it done. But uh, I don't know, man. At, at, at that <laughs> those days, man, you had to actually listen to the radio. Yeah, listen to it, songs. right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like I'm gonna. I, I would sit with my. Remember your your dual cassette deck, of course. Uh, uh, radio that Damn you would right. have, and you would have it on record. That's right. Uh, record, play, pause at the same time. Same time. And you would wait for the radio to play that song you wanted, and then you would unpause it so you could uh -huh. record it. And then you'd always get upset because the DJ on the radio would talk like halfway through the intro of the song. I was going to say, you'd like, only get oh. half that son bitch in there because you'd push that button and the dude would start talking again. <laughs> You're like, shut up. Yeah. And then oh, the yeah. cycle starts over to wait for it to come back on. <laughs> Good times, man. Rich, I got a speed round for you. You ready for it? Do you still deadlift barefoot? Sometimes. And why is that? Uh, well, so, okay. So it, I usually use when I'm lifting, I'll use a, a zero shoe. And so I'm more connected to the ground, but I don't mind taking my, my feet off because I'm, I'm just connected to the, or my shoes off because I'm connected to the ground that way. But what I don't like to deadlift or squat or any of those kind of lifts in is a standard gym shoe that has like a squeezy foam on the bottom because you're just less stable. Mm, good point. Actually, just I know this isn't speed, but back when I was in college, I used to work out like lift weights in wrestling shoes, which were, I guess, <clears throat> a zero shoe before zero shoes were cool. Oh yeah, they bring they bring all that stuff back around. Like take a sock, yeah. cut the foot off of it, call it a leg. Call warmer, it a leg. Warmer. Warmer. What, that? what exactly? <laughs> what time of day are you most productive? Uh, pr probably either uh, late morning and then late at night. So I have a I have a down law like during the afternoon hours of the day, and then I'll be tired and I think like, man, I'm gonna go to bed early tonight. And then by the time like nine o'clock swings around. I'm wide awake and and I'm wired, just wired until two, three in the morning. That's that fight. That's that's from being a fighter, right? Yeah, probably. No, that's that is exactly what that is. <laughs> what's your favorite cheat meal? Uh, what what's a cheat meal? Do you have cheat no cheat meals for you, huh? Um, to uh, like okay, so occasionally I'll eat ninety percent lean beef instead of ninety six. Oh God, really? Beef. It's that that's strong? Huge. Huge. No, no. Okay, okay. I'm just come I'm on. Just being, I'm just being. I'm BSing. No, no. It's, no I, it's so I used to have I these understand epic what you're saying. Meals. That's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have these epic cheat meals, but you know that mindset we were talking about before about uh, my work ethic. It goes into my nutrition, which is the only way that you can have abs after the age of forty, anyways, through nutrition, not working out. True. Unless that's, you're just a, a genetic freak. That's but I would say, like, I used to have these epic cheat meals of things like pizza and and Krispy Kremes. And now oh, like so good though, honestly, I'd say my favorite cheat meal is, uh, and, and I still kind of consider this part of my nutrition is uh sushi sushi. Yeah. Mm. See, I always think whenever I'm eating healthy, I always think sushi is like still healthy. It is kind of, but it can be not healthy because you get like these spicy rolls, maybe a little bit of mayo. Yeah, we're there. splitting hairs now. And, you start having, <laughs> and then three rolls, four hey, rolls, it, five you rolls. You to bring the Krispy Kreme thing into this. I, you know, there's some things down here. I think they're made with love. You don't gain weight. That's, That's right. That's right. Life. No points, no calories, no carbs. <laughs> what is your? I would be a spokesperson for Krispy Kreme. But I'm just saying. Krispy Kreme. We're looking for sponsors. <laughs> yeah. What is your biggest pet peeve? 
Oh man, I got, I got, I got a laundry list of these things. I, I don't deal well with disrespect and I don't deal well with inefficiency and I don't deal well with blatant stupidity. So for example, if you worked for me and you make a mistake, I'm cool with that. If you're like, Hey, listen, and, and I'm cool with it. As long as you know, you made the mistake and you're making an effort to not make that mistake again, but somebody that worked for me and continued doing the same thing over and over again, mm, I can't, I just can't do it. Inefficiency. Driving slow in the fast lane. Oh, no, yeah. yeah. Tis the reason we don't listen yeah. to certain songs, right? Well, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. thing, though. It's like you got to think about it. They're not working for you. Like if someone comes in and, and that's the mental thing. It's like, man, you're not doing your job. It's like, well, you don't even work for me if you're not working. That's Yeah. It's hard to make that transition. Yeah. I, 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 it is. It's like having kids, right? You got to discipline them suckers. And then it's, it is, man. It's a whole new level. It's a, it's a completely different level for sure. What podcast or podcast would you recommend our listeners check out? That's a great question, man. It's good. Well, Did you come up I mean, by yourself? Yeah, right here. Did, Did it? Did you really? I mean, yeah. if I was going to make one recommendation for a podcast, obviously it would be Team Never Quit. There we go. Yes, sir. Oh, great answer. Oh, this thing's going up on the wall. It's going up right here by McCray. Yeah, listen. Oh. Hey, I, be, I better, I, when I watch a future episode, I better see my magazine it, in your. In, it's going to be framed up by Augustus. Shit, I might move over Snake Eyes too. Or no, what I mean, did, what did he? What did he refer? What did he refer to Snake Eyes as? As as a prop? Prop. prop. We'll move the yeah, prop. Yeah. I'll take care of this one. Well trained. What about your? Now you have a podcast, right? Talk to us about your podcast. Uh, quite Franklin. So my podcast. That is a great name. Great name. That Thank is, you. It was a playoff a of Quite name. Frankly, obviously. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think that for me, the podcast kind of came back around full circle because it's the teacher in me. Even when I'm fight, like my whole fight career, I've always been that guy that's like, I'm in the gym. I'll share information or knowledge with people. So I'm just one of those guys that I like to present information to somebody. I'll have people on my podcast that maybe I don't even agree with them on a certain subject, or or maybe I do, or maybe I partially agree. But I like being challenged. Uh, I had, for example, I had Dr. Carl Hart, who was talking about the the uh, legalization of all drugs. He's a casual heroin user. He was on Joe Rogan's podcast at one time as well, and and. I've never even used drugs in my life. Never. I've never even had a, a sip of alcohol before. So for somebody, for me to come from that perspective and say, okay, I want to have a conversation with this person so that they challenge my thought process on this. And I want to take this information and give it to people to help them think critically so that they challenge their thought processes on it. That's kind of what my whole thing is with my podcast. Well, well that's sure brilliant. to listen to it. I remember when we were talking about sniper school earlier and, you know, you, in our communities, man, you got to take one guy from each walk of life. That's kind of what you're dealing with. And, yep. and, and going through cyber school, when, when we were sitting there and, and someone's trying to explain something, the way they do it is different. And a lot of people get upset about that. Because instead of, but instead of getting upset, be like, hey, how do you see it that way? Exactly. I mean, like, not why. Like, and that, that takes time, right? I mean, like, we became, you got to become buddies of like, hey, man. It's like two sides to a coin. One kind of sound just grooves a little differently, but it's still the same freaking coin, man. It's like if you're describing something to me, man, let me tell me why you see it that way. And that's a gift into a tool. I mean, that's a tool. Yeah. To have multiple uh, points know, of vantage. It, it, it like comes that. with, I tell you what, it comes with, uh, with, I mean, life experience. We talk about this, Marcus, before about when you're, God reveals these nuggets to you on the back end of life type yeah, of thing. Yeah. But with just experience, because for example, I've been to about 65 countries in my life at this point. That's awesome. And I've seen, I've seen the poorest of the poor and, and the, the wealthiest of the wealthy. And just even like reading your book, Marcus, when you talk about locate, like locate or what, how, yeah, do, yeah. how do you say that? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 And so when you suddenly realize like, 
you think about this concept and how our perception of Islam, all of Islam was in 2001. And then I read a book like yours and it's, it, it definitely changes how you see things because people suddenly don't get clumped all in one group. Like not everybody did that. Yeah. That's why we did that. To remind yeah. everybody. And so and, and, and your book actually was a real eye opener to me. And I probably read that book before I did a significant amount of travel to the Middle East. But now that I've been to the Middle East, like when I travel, I, I like when I landed in Pakistan, the kind of the kind of welcome and hospitality that you receive in countries like that, like, man, in the United States, you can barely get somebody to, to come to the airport and pick you up. Oh, if you fly in. Like, <laughs> that's crazy, like, right? If Marcus, <laughs> if Marcus flies into Cincinnati, I'll be like, all right, man, let me know what time yeah, you're planning. And there. I'll be outside yeah. at the that's pickup right, lane. Man. That's right. man, in a place like Pakistan, for example, I had like 50 people showing up with like flower lay necklaces to put them on my hand and like sprinkle me with water to yeah. bless me when I was there. It was just, it, um, it was mind blowing. It's the, I've never even the gift. Re- I've never even received that kind of welcome in yeah. the United States when I was being brought in as a quote unquote celebrity somewhere. So it just, you, you learn stuff and you see things from, from different perspectives. And I think that's just experience in, in life talking. You know what? It, it's almost as if, and I don't know why we don't, that's true, man. What you just said is so true. And we're the, actually the guys that should point that out. I mean, you're the toughest thing going in there. So most people are going to mess with you anyhow, but then it, it how, it, it is safe in there. It's only dangerous if you're not dangerous enough to be in there. That is a concept. Yeah. But if there's more than two, three, four people, some women and some kids living in one area, trust me, it's safe. It's just different. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, exactly. and, and life is different. So when you travel the world, I mean, it's just like when we're living here. There's some places you know your ass ain't supposed to be in. It's like jumping oh, in absolutely. a lion cage at a zoo. You know your ass ain't supposed to be in there. Yeah. And that's with life. I mean, I, I mean, the world is a jungle and it's whatever you want to call it. But as you get more experience in it, they say the further you travel from where you were born, the, the more you learn, right? The more keys you, you pick up. And then when if you turn back and go back to it, that's the treasure chest. You, you realize why God put you there. So, uh, Andrew, 65. I'm not trying to, to one, ruin dude. your speed round here, by the way. Like, this, nah. like we started oh, off fast. No, no, no. I'm sorry, man, dude. This is perfect, man. Did we rabbit hole it? I'm sorry. No, I think this is great. I think this is a good point to ask you, though. We, we are the Team Never Quit podcast. So of all the things that you've learned over your career, careers, you've been a math teacher, a fighter, you, you are an entrepreneur. I mean, obviously, you've had multiple companies that you've been a part of. What is the biggest piece of never quit advice you could leave with our listeners? I'll go back to when I was in college, the story that I started to tell and I didn't finish my sophomore year of college. I finally got smacked with the reality of like, I'm not this math genius and I have to actually work hard at what I'm doing. And I'm taking this class, linear algebra. My, my instructor, Dr. Wright, actually wrote the book. I, I didn't show oh, up. That, to the, that's, I'm sorry. That's just great. When that happens. When yeah, the dude exactly. Teaching the class is give that he's on the book, dude. I'm sorry. So I just remember that. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't bother showing up to the midterm. I'd already filled out my drop slip. Like I basically had just given up. And if it wasn't for this man who gave me this fourth and long football speech about how like sometimes life's, you know, like things don't work in your favor, but if the game's not over, it's not over. So he, he basically said like, listen, go home tonight, study for the exam, come in tomorrow, even though the drop slip will be late. He's like, if you don't pass the exam and get the grade that you want, I'll fill out the drop slip, backdate it, and turn it in for you. And and I was ready to just drop out of college completely because I was like, well, I'm not as good at math as I thought I was. And uh, and I don't know if this is the first experience with like true adversity in my life of some level. I guess I don't I don't think that's the case. But 
either way, like I mentally folded there. And so he talked me into doing that. I came in, I got the grade I needed. I ended up passing the, uh, the midterm on that. I ended up with a C in that class, but after that class, that, that ignited me and it lit me like it, it lit me up. And from that point on, I had, I think every math class I took after that was straight A's except for one B. I was like the guy, I became the guy that was ruining the curve. Oh man. Yeah. Don't do that. It'll be that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I did it on accident. One Ruins time. The curve. All, all that to say, man, <laughs> is that one moment in time. Like, and you're that, a damn tough guy. So you can't say anything to you. I mean, that's a double threat, bro. That's not even fair. Well, listen, you, know, I'm, yeah, yeah. you can't have I'm a, a resident badass be the guy that's good at math. That's not even but, but, fair, especially man. when you're surrounded by math people, right? No, like you're definitely yeah, yeah. the badass. My in point. That, exactly. <laughs> what but, a bully. But all that to say, all that's to say that my, my college professor, had he not actually cared, like had he not actually taken the five minutes that it took to give me that speech, like I could have folded, man. And that's the difference between like my life could have gone a completely different direction because, you know, I didn't end up being a math teacher forever. But what that did is like that was that moment in time where I could have accepted quitting and that would have been an accept like an acceptable path sure. in life. Oh, yeah. yeah and, uh, and, and and he saved me from that. And so it's like, you know, when, when, when you're down like that, it's like, man, you can be, you can be so close to being out. And it's like, that's just not necessarily the case. We had, bro, we, we our our, our one X show this last weekend, we had Angela Lee fought stamp fair and we had this Adam weight grand prix. Angela Lee was out for two years because she had a baby. And, and then we had this Adam weight grand prix where the, the winner of the grand prix faces Angela for the title. So this is her comeback after two years of time, she's fighting this girl that's fought through an eight woman tournament to get to her. And she, she comes out, she looks good with her striking. And then she gets caught with this liver shot, just a little, oh, little yeah, shovel man. hook to yeah, the yeah. liver. Angela folds like this fight is all but over. She folds over and she grabs this girl's leg and just kind of hangs on for a second. And once she recovered, oh, man, she just basically like she did to this girl. What, like as a, like what I did as a big brother to my my little brother as yeah, a kid, yeah, yeah. just like had her in so many bad positions till she finally finally finished her. And it was like that one moment, like it was that moment of weakness where you could have just folded. And it's like, man you you work through these things in life and there are blessings on the other side that you may not even be aware of yeah oh they're there yep. if it's, if it's, people you, know, you got to remind people that's the pass down you know age no, is, I'm age is you, kind that, of thing. that's that story of my sophomore year of college like had my instructor allowed me to to drop that course my my life would have taken a completely different path i wouldn't have won a title i wouldn't have been as successful in the things that I would have settled for a, a life of mediocrity. Yeah. I think it's important to remind teachers how special they are because you never know when your time to deliver that one line. To, I, same thing happened to me, Mr. Jones. I'll never forget pulling me out of class. What he said to me changed my life forever. Oh. Changed my life forever, man. And, but, uh, but you know what? You know what, though, Marcus? Like, it, like you, you have that ability every single day. We all do. The, and it, you don't have to be like you don't. I mean, I've, I've, had, the, I've had the ability to like – I've been blessed with meeting people that have, I, that I've heard these stories from fans. Like I had a fan one time, I met this kid who had lung cancer at the age of 21 and, and I was, he was a friend of a friend and he's like, Hey man, listen, I know this 21 year old kid. He's a big fan. Like, would you come meet him? Like have lunch with him? And I'm like, yeah. So I'm sitting down talking to him. I'm asking him like, how'd you get lung cancer? He's like, I've never smoked. I don't know how I got this. And he's like, but he told me this story. He said, He's like, one day I come home and I, I had like a, uh, I, I went through a, a treatment, like a radiation or, or chemo treatment. I can't remember which one it was, but I came home from that. He said, my body was zapped. It was like my eighth or 
10th treatment or whatever. And I'm laying on the couch and, and he's like, I'm losing weight. My mom is pleading with me, like, just eat, like, just eat something. He's like, but my stomach's upset. I'm sick. I'm nauseated. I'm tired. I didn't feel like eating. And I'm laying on the couch and I'm flipping through the stations. And he said, and your fight comes on. And he said, I was a huge fan of yours. And I sat and I don't know which fight it was, but he said, I sat and watched that fight. And I asked myself, what would Rich do right now? He's like, he'd get up and eat something. He said, so I got off the couch and said, mom, I, I, I'll eat. And I'm like, and I looked at this kid. I was like, bro, I, I can't like, I'm, I don't have that grind in me. Like, I can't <laughs> right. Fight that. I, I can't your fight ball, that man, fight. I like, would have done that. You're <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't, I, I, I'm like, that is, that is a resilience that's beyond anything I know, honestly. And so it's like, you know, that thing, like you could, I'm that person to somebody and it's not just because of what I've done. Like I can be that person to somebody that I happen to just hold a door for at the grocery store, man. Like, you know, the whole butterfly effect, you never know when some small gesture or whatever. It's like, even with Marcus, like he's got this book out and seeing the kind of things that he's gone through in this book, like just, it's just the, that impact that it has on people. Like you just never know whether you've written a book or you've won a title or you're a teacher at a high school, or you're just somebody who it was, you know, helped an old lady across the street with her groceries type of thing. Like you never know what you've done for somebody that day. I had, I had a guest on my podcast, a guy named Kevin Hines. He was, um, he was a, um, a guy who jumped off of the golden gate bridge and survived. It. Oh, this is the, I heard of him. The most, yeah. 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 The golden gate bridge, the most popular place to, I didn't know uh, that. That's crazy. Yeah, most popular <laughs> man-made place to attempt suicide. Can you believe that? This guy, this guy survives this thing. Yeah, he he was on the bus on the way there, and he told this story about if just one person on the bus would have said, "Hey, man, how are you doing today?" He's like, "I wouldn't have jumped," and and I thought to myself, like, if I was on the bus, would I have recognized that, or would I've been so caught up on oh, my sure. phone yeah, or yeah. doing some other stuff that yeah. I, that I wouldn't have been in the moment, that I wouldn't have seen it. And, and that's, that's the power. Like just somebody sitting on that bus, they didn't have to be a world champion or some guy whose, whose mission didn't go right. And has this amazing story and went through all this, you know, trauma in life. Like you don't have to be somebody special to save somebody like that. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know how yeah. I got off on that tangent. Yeah, No, don't miss your moment. That's kind of, you can get tangled up and kind of miss that. Yeah. I, that, that meant, have you ever seen Saving Private Ryan when they when Tom Hanks is carried find out he was a, a teacher but he was also a badass? I, that that yeah. resonated with me because that's back in the day when I was in we always watched those war movies, and the fact that your your line that you walked I mean it's it's a man that's just crazy you, those two things don't go together most everything that you do you kind of like it's like man that's just a that's a cool puzzle so yep. your your life is and it's been a, a man it's been awesome watching you do it seriously thanks. Listen, man, I tell you, I've, I've truly been blessed, bro. Like I, I, I say this, like, I don't think I would be in this place in my life without God having a hand on where, like, he's really directed my path for the good and the bad. Like I've seen bad things happen to me where I'm like, yeah, I was not, <laughs> not doing things the way I should be doing. Oh, we all been this there, is, bro. <laughs> yeah, this is a little correction that I deserve right now. I still so. look at him like, are you kidding me? I didn't, I thought this was the, all right, man. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's sure. That's a yeah. thing. That's the thing. We can get our ass whipped too. Don't don't think that we can. I mean, not, it doesn't happen generally anymore. But back then, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Rich man, thanks so much for being on. Would you mind telling our listeners how they can support you, what you've got going on, and just all the ways that we can uh, help you out? Yeah, I'm, I'm, you can check out my website, richfranklin.com. I have podcasts on that that website as well. It's a uh, I, I call it Quite Franklin, which is a play off of Quite Frankly. 
And Brilliant. Uh, you can Brilliant. check me out on my socials. You can just search me on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. It's Rich Franklin or Rich Ace Franklin. And uh, you can catch me there. And now, I'm, you know, most of my like my my most my social content and a lot of my podcast content is usually kind of uh, motivational or informational stuff that I I'm, I'm just trying to help people, um, empower them, educate and uh, entertain. Oh, brother, man, you're you're doing that. You've been doing it. Keep keep doing what you're doing, man. It's awesome. We, we thank you so much for coming on here, man. Uh, God bless you. Nah, I appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. It was a fun conversation too, Marcus. Thanks for having me on, man. You bet. You bet. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.